Welcome to Growing in Grace, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And now, here's the hosts of Growing in Grace, Mike Kapler and Joel Berizaki. It's another special celebration edition of Growing in Grace. Uh, hey there, everybody. I'm Joel Brzezinski. Now, Mike Kapler, the cap, he's not with me at this moment, but don't worry, you'll hear plenty from him this week as we're digging back into those archives uh, for some highlights of our past 199 programs. Uh, next week, we'll get back into a regular program again, uh, but for this week, we just wanted to uh, continue on with the celebration of our 200th program. 200, part three this week on Growing in Grace. I constantly was aware of sin and and i had always been told that my sin was going to get in the way of my relationship with god but that is simply not true atonement means covering in the hebrew language and the only thing the old testament believers received from the blood of animals was atonement or a covering it didn't take away their sins in jesus we don't have a covering we have an exchange. The exchange that took place was that God took away our sin, my sin and your sin. He took sin away from us and gave us righteousness. He took away the the sinful nature and gave us a nature of righteousness. It's his righteousness. So our sins are not covered here under the new covenant. They no longer exist. What God has done in Christ is not only forgiven us of our sins, But he's taken away our sins, and he has given us a brand new nature. See, just to be forgiven wasn't enough, but we needed something new. We needed a brand new life, and it's something that God has given us freely as a gift because of the grace of God. The exchange life means that you are not working towards becoming a better person. You know what that is? That's just religion, and they're a dime a dozen. The world is filled with them. But here, in relationship with the living God, we're just trusting him to live his life in and through us so that the person you have already become, a new creation, joined with him, that's the life that will be flowing out of you. The things that we go out and do, it's the result of the fact that we've been made alive with Christ. It's not because we're trying to earn anything. We want to do good works indeed, but not to try to score points, but rather as an outflow of the life that we've been given freely in Jesus. And I know the religious flesh, all these red flags go up and you think, boy, you guys are really diminishing just how bad sin really is. And and no, we don't mean to do that at all. Sin is bad. It, it's probably one of the only things in the Bible that made God angry was sin. Uh, in fact, it, it made him so angry and he hated it so much that he dealt with it through the cross of Christ. We're walking in the light by faith, not by what we do. You see, because if we're basing walking in the light on our works and how well we live the Christian life, then we're back to trying to set a standard that nobody's really sure what it is again. You might determine I'm walking in the light and somebody else might not. And so it's nothing to do with that. And continuing in the faith is simply trusting in Christ and not in ourselves. We've often put ourselves in that position where we think we're the ones in those parables that have found this great treasure in Jesus, and so we pay the great price to have him. But of course, if we look at these things in the reality of the new covenant, that God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, God gave his son, Jesus Christ, for us. And Jesus shed his blood. He paid the price for us because God so treasured us. Our traditional interpretations of much of the Bible 
they're really quite self-centered and they're rooted very much in old covenant thinking what is traditionally taught that the spotlight is on the son who left home and then came to himself got his act together and decided to come back to the father again and so we put all the emphasis on the son and and how he comes back to the father when really where the spotlight should be is on the father who embraces his son unconditionally when he comes back in fact you know, something that usually gets skipped over is as soon as the son showed up on the doorstep, he started telling his father all the things that he was going to do to make up for the things that he had done wrong. And God cut him off. The father cut him off, wouldn't even listen to his empty promises that he wouldn't be able to keep again anyway, and just took him in. And the way that the son viewed himself, I'm not even worthy to be called your son, is how the son viewed himself in front of his father. But none of that mattered. How the son viewed himself isn't what mattered to the father. What the son was thinking that he was going to do to make himself right, that is not what mattered. But what the father thought of his son and what the father did, that is really what mattered. The father was concerned all along about his son. He cared about his son. The son never lost his sonship. (laughs) You know, the son never had to do anything to earn that sonship in the first place. And he never could do anything to make himself right when he had gone off in prodigal living. Remember, religion is man's attempt to try to get God's acceptance by changing his behavior. We don't have to do that. That's the good news. We don't have to reverse our thinking inside out and go back to a a mentality of old covenant thinking that would allow us to get trapped into guilt and condemnation. What the writer of Hebrews is simply saying here, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, since the old system, the old covenant of animal sacrifices no longer exists, if you reject this one sacrifice that God has provided through Jesus Christ, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins. The good news is the sacrifice has already been made through Jesus. You don't have to go back to doing animals anymore. But if you reject the one sacrifice of Christ and don't receive that forgiveness through that sacrifice, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins because the old system had been done away with. See what uh, thoughts you have as well, Mike, in regards to having been dead and now being made alive. I have no thoughts. Can't we talk about something else? All right. Let's. Uh, you ever watch SpongeBob? I love that show. We could be like Patrick. Let's talk about that next week. (laughs) Talk about Patrick and SpongeBob? (laughs) I don't care. I'm flexible. That's the beauty of the grace of God. The idea that Christ wants to come into our lives is taught in a lot of different churches, evangelical and otherwise. So what's really wrong with that? One thing about it is, again, we're putting the focus on, on me again a little bit. I accepted Christ. You see, because, again, the real focus here isn't about us accepting him into our lives. The fact is that Jesus Christ now accepts you into his life. Well, that's another phrase that gets thrown around a lot. I made my peace with God. It's not so much about us making our peace with God. Again, it's that God has made peace with us. Ephesians 1.6 says that it's God who has made us accepted in the beloved we've been made alive together with christ you see when we were still sinners god didn't come into us he didn't send christ into us what he did was he killed us essentially we were crucified with christ on the cross we had to die what happened then when we died 
on the cross with Jesus, crucified with Christ. And then the Bible says he has made us alive together with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. You see, the life that I have now, and and for you too, uh, believers in Christ, the life that we have is not our own. It's the, the literally the, the very life of God himself that's in us. So, again, it's not so much about Christ being in your life. It's that we have been invited into his life. Mm. There are times when we fall short in our behavior of doing the things that are godly, that are a result of Christ in us. I know that it's so easy to have those feelings of guilt hang on to us, to feel as if there's maybe there's something we need to do to make up for what we've done, or maybe a certain amount of time needs to go by before God's happy with us again. But we, we're we here to say that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's our identity. That's the reality of who we are. The, the bottom line here is you, as a Christian, are declared righteous and holy, not by what you do but having been born in Christ. You know, Paul could have gotten into his head that, you know, the Apostle Paul, that, hey, I'm saved now, I need to get to work. But he, I don't really believe that he did that. I think that he rested in Christ, that all of his labors sprang from the life of Christ in him. This was Paul's lifestyle. We just got done talking about how Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works mightily in me. You see, the, the difference between us putting our effort into it and the difference between God working through us, which is the way it should be, when we're putting our own effort into it, that, that's going back under the law and getting caught up with the flesh again, even though you might even be doing some pretty good stuff out there. You know, walking the walk and talking the talk, as they say in Christian circles. <laughs> what we fail to do with our human minds and in our flesh is we fail to rest because we, we think that if we rest... That means that we're never going to do anything, that we're, that we're just going to sit on our hands and, and never move, never do anything. We fail to realize that the way that our life in Christ works is by us resting, by us ceasing to strive. We're supposed to be walking the Christian life, if you want to call it that, the same way that we entered in, and that's by faith. And, and we trusted Christ to save us, right? We trust Christ to live through us instead of us putting the effort into it. We've been perfected forever, all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not really a work in progress. Jesus Christ has completed that work in regards to my spiritual identity. And part of that, my identity is that I am anointed. And I have the ability to go and do whatever it is that God would have me to do. I don't have to do anything to qualify for that. It's not our own fleshly efforts. It's not hours and hours of prayer time that qualifies us. It's the Father, and it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that has qualified us for everything in our lives in Christ. There's nothing that we could add to it or take away from it. You see, it, it's always about Him. <laughs> it's, <laughs> somehow, we get this turned inside out, Joel. We, we, we always somehow get the focus back on us. Sometimes it's subtle. It's sneaky, it's deceptive, but that's the way the devil works. From the garden until now, he's always going to try to get the attention back on us when the spotlight should always be on Jesus. It's not that I've been changed from a bad person to a good person in Jesus Christ, but I've been changed from a dead person 
to a person who's been made alive with Christ. The one thing that really helped me move ahead was understanding that he was always going to love me. He was going to treasure me. He wasn't going to let me go. He wasn't going to think any less of me. It was a love without condition. Christ died for the ungodly. You know, if God's love was conditional, if it was based upon conditions for whether we're living right or not living right, he never would have sent Jesus. You know, Jesus never would have died for the ungodly. That's conditional love. There are those who might think that when we struggle with sin and other problems that somehow our fellowship gets hindered with God. I'm pulling out my Amplified here again, Joel. As I look at Romans 6, it says, For by the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, and the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him, talking about Jesus. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin, and your relation to it broken, but that you are alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. There's nothing left for us to feel guilty about. There's nothing left for us to be convicted about as far as sin is concerned, because Christ has taken our sin away. You know, Joel, I'm reminded of Romans chapter 8, at the end of the chapter where Paul said, I am persuaded that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing could separate me from his love. He is love. And while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And while we are alive together with Christ, even when we don't do the things that are according to our new nature in Christ, there's nothing that separates us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've been listening to Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Barizaki, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ.